7 out of 10 proctologists recommend listening to The Drew Marshall Show. The Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. We're live right here in Southern Ontario on Joy 1250. Up next, Rich Wilkerson Jr., author of Sandcastle Kings Meeting Jeebas in a Spiritually Bankrupt World. We're giving away a copy of Sandcastle Kings on our Drew Marshall Show Facebook page in partnership with HCC Faith Books, HarperCollins Canada Faith Books. So go to our Facebook page and uh, you can click on something. That'll tell you it's awesome. Did I explain that properly at all? No, that was horrible. This is basically uh, our way of getting you to go to our Facebook page and liking us. We're yes. bribing you. When I was a kid, I would uh, steal money from my dad and go out and buy a giant box of Bubble King gum. Oh, yeah. A giant, you know, five cents each, a yeah, whole box. Yeah. And then at recess, I'd hand them out, and that's how I made friends. Nice. Too bad the flavor ran on the gum pretty quick. Dude, that was horrible gum. <laughs> did the friendship run out quick too? Yes, or? they did. All right. Yeah, not true friendships at all. Rich Wilkerson Jr. on the Drew Marshall Show. Dude, nice to have you on the show. You've been mediaing your face off. Are you sick of us yet? <laughs> well, no, I'm actually having a great time and really honored to get a moment to chat with you guys today. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I love Canada. Really? You love Canada? Come on. Come on. Why? <laughs> I'm going to challenge Hortons. you with that, man. Why do you love Canada? I, I, I love Tim Hortons, and I like Whistler uh, Mountain, and uh, what else do I love about Canada? I like he had hockey. me at Tim Hortons. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you are uh, an interesting cat with an interesting Jesus pedigree. Can you, For the new people out there, what are you new? Can you explain to all the all the people your pedigree, please, in this in in the world of Jesus, please? I like that my pedigree. Um, well, I was I was raised in a Christian home uh, on both sides, as far as we can tell. I'm four generations preacher, but um, just got some amazing. I mean, my family is really my heroes, and on my mom's side, the Buntane family actually comes. Our, our, my grandfather was Canadian, actually, and. Um, they also missionaries from that family, Mark Buntain in Calcutta, who did an incredible work over there. And then on my dad's side, the Wilkerson side, uh, David Wilkerson, who was the author of The Cross and the Switchblade, and the founder of Teen Challenge and Times Square Church. And, of course, my dad, who's, who's uh, an absolute legend in his own right, uh, my pastor, and one of the greatest preachers, and a lot, a lot, of, a lot of cool people. So we're really blessed. Uh, the Buntane side of your family, do they have a musical group? Because you could call them the Buntane Burners. I like that. Hey, I like that. That's very. That would totally work, the Buntane Burners. Or, uh, Dude, I lost my eyebrows yeah, to I a Buntane Burner. It's not good. Really? Yeah. I like that. Hey, listen, why do you think God is real? Why do I think God is real? Yeah, because we're living in a... Uh, listen, I get about seven books a week sent to me by publishers, and they know what I talk about on my show, and... We're, we're, we we wrestle with doubt pretty ferociously, and um, we're in a day and an age where the nuns are more popular than anything else. The N O N E S, that's the biggest religious yeah. category out there. Um, so they think God is real, but they don't want to have anything to do with with uh, religion or religious institutions. Yeah. But I'm still I'm still curious as to why you think God is real. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me, if I'm really being honest, I mean, there's a lot of layers to that question, but I think first and foremost, I think for me, it would take more faith out of me to not believe in God. You know, I just think as I look around, I mean, there's obviously a designer and a creator from my standpoint. Uh, I think on a more personal side, I just think that I've experienced God too many times, and I think God has shown up too many different times, and too many answered prayers, and too many times uh, in His presence. But um, I think as we're looking around kind of the state of society today, yeah, I think when it comes to like you know a lot of the stats and numbers that we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of people not attend church. But what I really think is happening, I, I can't speak for Canada all the way, but what I see uh, in America happening is I think nominal Christianity is dying, meaning I go to church because my mom tells me I have to go to church, or I attend service because my, my grandparents said that's a good thing to do. I think that's dying off. That is religion. But what I see happening everywhere that I go is I see a brand, I see a real fresh hunger for, for Jesus. And uh, I see churches growing. I see people encountering God. I just got off today. We were doing a service project in Miami, serving the community. We had 70 people, many of which just coming to church for the first time, coming out just to serve the community all day, but really in the name of Jesus. And um, I think that's what Jesus came for, is relationship. And so I think the more and more that we can make God more accessible and God more practical and God relevant in our everyday lives, I think people are after that. So uh, that's just been my experience, and that's what we're discovering here in Miami. What do you do with your doubt? I think you, I think you get honest with your doubt. Absolutely. I think there's a one of my favorite things about this book that we just wrote. It's called Sandcastle Kings. And the premise of the book, right, is that we look around the world today, a lot of people are building sandcastles, and they're beautiful, and they look awesome, but storms come. Jesus told a story about a wise man and a foolish man, that when the storm came, the reality of life is wisdom doesn't prevent storms. And so you can't prevent storms, you can only prepare for them. And the whole book is based on Luke chapter 7, four different stories, but the third story is a story of John the Baptist in prison. And I grew up in church, I don't know if you guys did, or if all your listeners did, but I always thought of John the Baptist as like, you know, what he was. He was a revivalist. He was this man of conviction. He was this man who was courageous and bold. He was the hairy dude with the potato sacks. Exactly. Locusts. and wearing Locusts. Crunchy goodness. I love that. But in Luke 7, he's doubting. You know what I mean? He's doubting. He's going, is this really who he said he is? And the reason why he's doubting is because his circumstance isn't lining up with what he believed. He believed that he was going to be rescued. He believed that Jesus was going to show up, and he sends his doubt to Jesus. He's going, Jesus, are you who you said that you are? And I was joking today with some of our church. If I got up on Sunday and said, I, I don't know if Jesus really is the Son of God, like, you know, they wouldn't have me preach the next weekend. They would call me a heretic. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus, he actually starts complimenting John and bragging on John. And when you say, what do we do with doubt? I think that we, we have to get better at it. We have to go that doubt is... I think doubt is part of life. Doubt is different from unbelief. You know what I mean? Doubt is saying, I want to believe, but I, I, I don't know how to believe. Can you help me my unbelief? And there's a beautiful story of Jesus helping a guy. The guy comes and says, Jesus says, do you believe? And he goes, I, I do, but can you help my unbelief? And Jesus does the miracle. I think this whole thing about the gospel is being real with where you are, being honest with where you are. Until you get honest with where you are, uh, I don't think that we're going to find healing meet us where we are. And so I think you get honest with God, and God starts showing up. So, All right, Sandcastle Kings. I, I think we got to talk about it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, well, that's what our show is. Uh, Sandcastle Kings hit shelves November 10th and features uh, cover art created by uh, Kenny, Kenny uh, Kenia West and his team at Donda. 
which was unveiled exclusively yeah. uh, uh, people.com. Also known as Kanye West. Right. Also known as Kanye right, West. Right, right, right. <laughs> Chai Chai Rodriguez. Um, uh, and uh, Wilkerson believes that the world has figured out the formula for manufacturing material success, but when it comes to finding true, lasting happiness, we are as lost as ever. Uh, yo, yo, Rich, yo, Rich. I'm really happy for you, and I'm going to let you finish. But Rick Warren has one of the best <laughs> books of all time. One of the best books of all time. Wow. Got him. Wow. Really? Got me. You threw I down a Kanye true. interruption thing there? Yeah. Rick now, Warren is one of the best books of finish. all time. We're talking to Kanye. We're talking to Kanye. We're talking to Rich Wilkerson about his book. Don't be it's throwing it. This is the best book of all time after the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I will take a smidgen of uh, his anointing. So okay, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> Sorry, we just had to be jerks there. It's it's our spiritual like gift. It. Okay, listen, um, Rich. Being a, a Jesus follower, I had this conversation yeah. with some people the other day. As far as I'm concerned, it's a royal, royal pain in the glutes. Um, <laughs> and instead of giving the homeless bottled water and a sandwich aren't we supposed to be giving them the shirt off our backs it's supposed to be uncomfortable right so in other words they shouldn't be homeless if jesus people were actually doing what god wants them to do um you know and then i and then we now we got to talk about rich christians and i know you and your wife i know you and your wife aren't rich because i've seen videos of you by your pool with ripped jeans ah. <laughs> so Oh, I love it. So, could, uh, so which one do you want to talk about first? Yeah, I, I think that I think first and foremost, I think that if if more and more Christians would live out what we're called to live out, I think we'd see a lot less problems in the world today. Hundred percent. When you say being a Christian should make our life worse or more uncomfortable, I think there's a level of truth to that. I mean, but I also read today in Second Corinthians in chapter one that we serve the God of all comfort. And I was talking just the other day to some friends of ours. The most beautiful thing about the gospel is that God comforts us. And once we've been comforted, now it gives us the strength to get uncomfortable for other people. So, yeah, I think the call of being a Christian is first come and die so that you can truly live. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. But when you say the idea is, is that, like, it's a big royal pain, I think it's the great. Jesus promises life and life more abundantly. I think there's a supernatural joy that comes about in serving him and in doing his work. And I think the more and more we step into that, uh, we're going to find empowerment. The Bible says that even when we're weak, God still is strong. His grace is sufficient. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I keep coming back to that final scene in Schindler's List when uh, Liam, more. Liam Neeson yeah, t- looks at his ring and, and breaks down and yeah. thinks, if I just sold this stinking ring, I could have saved two, three more lives yeah. or whatever it was. Well, and I think, that, I, think that's, I think that's absolutely true. I think that, I think on the flip side of this whole thing, which is your question about, you know, rich Christians and whatnot, I just think that so much of all this stuff, it really does come down to where your heart is and whatnot. I think that we are called to be absolutely generous. What is generosity? Generosity is giving more than what is required. We serve a God who gave his very life for us. And so when we model that, I think that that's the way that we should be living, that we're laying our lives down for our brothers and sisters financially. Well, right, but we've we, we, we got to talk about what abundant life. I mean, only in North America would we, would we define abundant life as you know, uh, 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 possessions, right? I mean, seriously. Oh, totally. I think, well, that's what I was going to say in terms of you're going, I think the, the question was rich Christians. And I'm just going, the other day someone said something to me, I, I drive a, like a Jeep Wrangler. And they're like, man, how do you feel about driving such a, an opulent car or something? I just said, oh, well, I just think you got to be careful of that argument because, you know, in yeah, America, where do you draw the line? That's, 
Yeah, it's just a relative argument, right? Because yeah. what you just said, it's going in Somalia right now. Uh, anyone's car is going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, and yeah. So you can't be rich enough. You're too rich for some people. You're too poor for other people. It, it, you got to. Those are conditions of the heart. You have to make decisions. And I think it's something that every believer should take very, very seriously and should really count the cost and consider what what they are doing with their finances, what they are doing with their very life day in and day out. All right, on the phone with Rich Wilkerson Jr. is the author of Sandcastle Kings, Meeting Jesus in a Spiritually Bankrupt World. You know, we we got to have this discussion with you. I before we had you on the show, I said to our listeners, I don't know how this is how this interview is going to go at the end of it. Rich is going to hate my guts because, like, I'm not. Hold on, okay, I'll just stop explaining things and I'll just get into it. Making church yeah. hip versus being bored to death. Both of them, I hate. I de- I detest <laughs> both spectrums. Sure. So, being you've said being relevant is being authentic. Well, what do you say yeah. to those who would doubt your authenticity because of the fact that you 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 and your wife, you know, both trendy looking hotties who use a lot of hair product? <laughs> what you would doubt my authenticity because I use a lot of hair product? <laughs> yeah. This is speaking from a bald guy's point of point of view. You see, right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think in all in all reality, I would agree with you in terms of you know two things that annoy you, or I don't know if I'd use the word hate, but, you know, church being boring and church being hip. Yep, I, I hate both of them. ever build church. Well, yeah, I don't know if I use the word hate often, but I hear what you're saying. I think that, I don't think it's good to build on a trend. And I think that, um, for me, I don't feel like anything we do, I'm building on a trend. I think I'm being who I am. I think that our church is fun, but I think our church is very, very deep. How do I know? Uh, I mean, once again, I can just go back to today where I was at, man, being with the people and hearing the stories of lives being changed and people sticking in it for tough conversations in the community that God's forming. Yeah. I think that we live in a world today where it's like, you know, we're all addicted to Instagram and Twitter and to headlines. And so it's really easy to put celebrity pastor in front of somebody's name and go, oh, that's just what he is. Yeah. But uh, my life is a lot deeper than an Instagram account. And my life's a whole lot deeper than hair product or an outfit that I wear. <laughs> but I don't make any apologies about what I wear and... I don't make any apologies about the hair product that I use either. I think that if you want to know what my message is or who I am, it's found in that book. And it's, it's that our life is about Jesus. And why I find Jesus so compelling is because uh, he changes us from the inside out. And so we live in a world that we kind of always live outside in. And so we look at people from the outside and we go, oh, that's what they must be about because that's how they look. Yeah. Uh, that's what their Instagram account is. That's who they are. And so I think that we are, if anything, we're, we're I don't want to use What's the word? We're fighting against that. You know, I mean, we're pushing against that. You know, I, I have said uh, I don't get quoted very often, but the, this comes up every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Marshall said, "The sign of a healthy church is how many ugly people go to it." <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, Jesus was pretty pretty on about the um, what are we doing with the least of these, and in our in our North American society. There's an awful lot of ugly people in the category of least of these. And, um, and, and I, I, you know, there's a trendy church up this way, who shall remain nameless. And I, I look at their church, and I look around the congregation, and I don't see a lot of ugly people. And when I mean ugly people, I mean aesthetically, but I also mean strange or outcasty or twitchy or, you know, they're the ones that aren't fitting in at all to that thing. They don't dress right. They don't smell right. They don't look right. Mm. Um. And I don't know, I just, uh, I don't know. Cool Christians, right? I mean, isn't that an oxymoron theologically? Well, I think that, once again, I think that you haven't, I think that you're 
simply staying on the, on the category of appearance and look, I think in our church, we have all sorts of outcasts. We have all sorts of outsiders. Our church is full of people that are the least of these. I think that if your soul is separated from Jesus, man, you fall into the category of being disenfranchised, broken, and hurting. And uh, our church, I, I'll just, I don't mind for one second. I just know who we are and the people that are coming through. And um, I'm not trying to build a cool, trendy church by any means. I'm trying to go to a church that we enjoy, that we love, and form a community that is centered around the name of Jesus. Yeah. And um, I think I, I think I hear what you're saying. Well, this really, this all ties um, in. I mean, I look, I'm I'm like, I'm not know? just on a rant here, Richie. This ties in with. Um, with with your book, right? I mean, that's the whole the whole gist of your book is this the sandcastle thing, you know, the sandcastle kings meeting Jesus in a spiritually bankrupt world. We know we're in a spiritually bankrupt world, and I'm suggesting that one of the reasons we're in a spiritually bankrupt world is because our priorities are not are not where they should be, and and that includes inside the Jesus scene. Um, sure. Yeah. So I. But you can't. What? What do yeah, you? You can't you know, draw to people out of the faith because they're good looking. No, I'm not saying you can't get to heaven if you're good looking. Yeah. All right. It was the rich person that couldn't get I really hope, the needle. I really hope Michelle Pfeiffer is in heaven, is what I'm saying. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> um, no, so, I just... Well, I, think, I, think, I, think one of the, I think for me, though, on the idea of the, of the book, I think that there's, there's truth to what you're saying. I'm just the type of person, you know what I'm saying, that I'm always trying to find things that we can rally around and not try to find a bunch of things that are wrong. I think what's wrong with our world today is what I look around at is that we're building sandcastles, but it's not just the sandcastle of the world, or not just the sandcastle of, you know, superficial or, you know, vanity. I think it's the sandcastle of other people. I think a lot of people put their trust in some other person, you know, a pastor, a friend, a loved one, a husband, a wife. I think people put their trust in religion. If I can do enough good things, then I'm going to somehow be accepted by God. If I do enough bad things, I'll be rejected by God. That's just really not the message of Jesus as you discover it, as you go deeper and deeper. And that's what the book is unveiling. And so I think you're maybe speaking to a category. I think you're maybe speaking to a niche. Um, obviously, we're not using people's names, so I, I can't give account for but I can give an account for Voo Church and who we are. I know the criticism that comes up against us, but I also know pretty clearly just the people in our church and the stories that are, you know, being changed tomorrow. We're having a baptism service, and we've got 50 people kind of already signed up that are that just gave the light to Jesus in the last 10 weeks that say they want to make a public profession of their faith. And, I'm going to celebrate that. I think it's pretty beautiful. And um, I think that all of those fall into the category of the least of these. Um, I don't know what they all look like aesthetically, but uh, that's not really why we gather or what our church is about. What and now Vu Church in Canada, Vu means you. Yeah. So eight years ago, uh, my wife and I joined my parents' church in North Miami. My dad has been uh, passionate for about 17 years, a church called Trinity Church, Assemblies of God Church. And really cool church. It's an inner-city urban church, and um, kind of always had the mission statement of winning the lost, helping the poor, and uh, teaching the abundant life, which is in Christ, and it's been amazing. And so eight years ago, my wife and I started like a Tuesday night Bible study. I think at the time, we, we've always kind of called it a young adult ministry. started with 12 people. It was called the Rendezvous, uh, which just simply means the meeting place. And so our, our kind of thought was, you know, uh, worshiping God and connecting with others, and the thing just kind of, I, I just felt like God breathed on it. It kind of went from 12 people on Tuesday nights and just began to organically grow and uh, got to the place of almost having 1,200 people every just Tuesday night. And just once again, what I've always loved about our church is it's always been a church that says, you know, everybody's accepted and you can uh, you can belong before you believe and you can belong without even having to behave. You, you can be a part of this place. And uh, we just saw so many cool stories happen. Well, just on the journey of all that, 
Uh, no one can spell rendezvous, and if you Google rendezvous, you get some weird stuff, so be careful with that. <laughs> so everyone just kind of called it. Everyone just called it. I'll see. Uh, we used to call it Voo Day because it was Tuesday, so it was like, uh, you know, Happy Voo Day. And people just started coming. A conference was formed. There was music that came out of it. And about two years ago, Dad and I were talking, and we just said, we decided together we think it's time to plant a church. And so last year we announced it to our church, and then in September, just whatever it was, 10, 11 weeks ago, we finally launched it. So it's just called Voo Church. And, yeah. Um, when you have a big party, when you, when you have a big party at the yeah. church, do you call it a a voodoo? We should. I like that. That would be really fun to bring into the church, right? Voodoo. We want to get the pins for that. Voodoo. Yeah. Stick these That's pins smart, in your right? pastor. Yeah, stick yeah, a pin yeah. in your pastor. I love oh it. Gosh. It's a great fundraiser. I like it. You guys are you guys are a great fundraiser. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's all honestly. It it meant something more to the community than it did outside the community, which I think is awesome thing as well. But here's here's yeah, a good. Is that is this church all about you? No, it's about it's about people. It's about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, here's yeah. a good quote from you from Vu. Okay. Uh, North Americans reduce the message of Jesus into just a message of morality. It's actually much deeper than that. It has nothing to do with what you have on. It has everything to do with the condition of your heart. You didn't think I'd quote that kind of goodness coming out of you after all that other nonsense I threw at you, did you? There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where that quote came from all the way, but I, that's something. I stand by that. I think that... It came from an interview you uh, did in Chicago. Amazing. I just think that... I think as I'm talking to people so often, you know, even here, whether it's outside the church or we get to a lot of secular media and chat with people, so often they just think Christianity, once again, is about, you know, people go, you don't look like a pastor. I'm like, I, I don't even know what a pastor is supposed to look like and not look like. This message, once again, is about Jesus changing you from the inside out. And sin doesn't make you bad. It's worse than that. It makes you dead. And so Jesus comes to make us alive in Him. And um, I just want to be a person that, that gets that message out. I don't want to be a person that's helping people in that process, on that journey. I think faith is a journey. And we've just got so many different people that are on different, you know, on the landscape of faith in different places. Hmm. And I just want to be a person that's a good friend to them. I want, to, I want to try to help shepherd and point them to Jesus, who really does the changing. I've learned, I've been married now for nine years. I don't know if you guys are married or not, but what I've learned is that I can't change my wife. I, can, I can't change me. I I need Jesus to do that stuff. And so we want to be a church that says, let's love people, let's point to Jesus, and let's believe that Jesus is going to change people. The yeah. start of the interview, Rich, you said something like, uh, I asked you about why do you think God is real? And you said, you know, I answered prayers, the way he's shown up, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's, a, I don't know, I, I, it's a touchy subject for you guys, but I've heard you talk about it in other interviews, so let's go there. Um, infertility. Sure. I'm sure you guys have prayed your faces off. I'm sure you've anointed with sure. oil. I'm sure that there's been a lot of palm tanning and and uh, and praise singing and and uh, whatever you all do to to get God's attention on this. Um, but it is, has anything happened? Well, it hasn't happened yet. But I mean, I think uh, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is the story of the three Hebrew boys that say, "Our God can save us. Our God will save us." But even if He doesn't save us, we're not bowing down. And my thought of faith is that faith has tears, and faith crawls at times, and faith has questions at times, but uh, I'm not living my life out of religion. I live my life out of a relationship. I trust God. The Bible says that a prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but if it was based on my righteousness, then God would never show up. It's based upon the righteousness of Jesus, and so I'm positioned in Christ, and therefore I believe and trust His will, 
And talking about God's will, that's one of those really, really, you know, deep wells that we could walk into. But for me, um, it's not that complicated. I, I think that uh, I'm going to keep praying, keep believing. I think we'll do the things that we can in our power. But um, even if it doesn't happen, God is still good. God has still got a beautiful plan for us. Well, and uh, we're going to continue to follow him. Rich Wilkerson, Jr., author of Sandcastle Kings, uh, Meeting Jesus in a Spiritually Bankrupt World. Website to go to is sandcastlekingsbook.com. The church's website is thevu.com. Rich, this is what I, I hope for you. I hope that you and your wife have 19 kids of your own. <laughs> and I hope that if you don't, you adopt 19 kids, because I'm adopted. There you go. Um, I, love that. I hope that you and your wife have a long, insufferable marriage. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I do. I, I, you know, the last thing we need is another, uh, another whack job preacher doing something weird and, you know, some kind of fall, totally. right? But here's the deal. The reason that all stuff, that stuff all happens is because preachers stay in the game too long when bad, when junky stuff is going on if you got mm. junky stuff going on stop being a preacher step down go work the factory yeah. shut up it's yeah. kind of what yeah, i feel good. anyway so I, I i think it's good wisdom i want the best for you man i really you know because you got all this media attention now you got the kanye kim kardashian thing you got the reality show you got the book and and um boy there's you know i spent a fair bit of time down in la and there's a reason it's called the land of booby traps well there's many a re- couple of reasons yeah. <laughs> So totally. I I just I want the best for you, man. I really, really do. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, no, and, well, we appreciate that. And we 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 uh, take prayers from anybody, anywhere, even uh, Canadians. Now hold on, <laughs> hold on. Now I didn't say I was going to pray for you. I just said I want the best for you. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> well, listen. Thanks so for I hear you. Honestly, we uh, that honestly encourages us, and um, we feel like together. You know, my wife and I, and just even our church, we just we feel like. Um, God's called us and God's grace is for a moment, and we're just trying to honestly be light and darkness. And there is no doubt that there's real challenges and there's real obstacles and there's real criticisms. And uh, as I get older, I'm just trying to do a better job at listening to people and hear what they're saying and trying to give an answer as to why we think we're doing what we're doing. But um, man, we, we really do appreciate that, and we're really grateful for the opportunity to come on and even talk with uh, your listeners. And so, thanks, thankful. Rich. I appreciate it, dude. You take care. Have a great weekend. Hope your hope your Sunday service. Uh, something crazy yeah, goes down. Absolutely. So let's go. I like that, right? Just pray for something crazy to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You guys are the best. You guys visit us in Miami. Come on down. Okay. I'll bring my thong. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, man. All right. See you, dude. Love you guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> Your prayer thong? My prayer thong. Some people have a shawl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that way people keep their eyes down when they're praying. <laughs> All eyes closed. Every head bowed. Yeah. You don't got to yeah, worry about that. His thong. <laughs> Mitch Album, the number one best-selling author of Tuesdays with Maury, is back. Mitch's heart-rending and inventive new novel, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto, follows the life story of Frankie, the greatest guitar player who ever lived, and the lives he changes with his six magical blue strings. Infused with the message that music, like love, has the power to affect us all, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto is a classic in the making. Once again, Mitch Album shows readers that the lives we touch affect others, and that changing one can be as simple as the pluck of a guitar string.